Ugh, the heat's so dry down here, I'm starving all the time. I could go for a snack. Maybe you can, too. Because today's episode is brought to you by Hugh Kitchen. Hugh is a family-founded chocolate and snacking company focused on creating products that match ultra-simple ingredients with unbeatable taste. Built on a strong mission to help people get back to human, Hugh only uses simple, real, and responsibly sourced ingredients. Hugh obsessively vets every ingredient to unite unbeatable taste with unmatched simplicity. They go beyond what is easy and expected to ensure that their products and practices are ethical and put both humanity and the human body first. All of Hugh's products are gluten-free, dairy-free, refined sugar-free, and are in heavily processed. Use code POD for 15% off your next purchase at HughKitchen.com. That's code POD, P-O-D, for 15% off at Hugh, spelt H-U, Kitchen.com. And find out why Hugh helps people get back to human. <sighs> Something I wish I'd do around here. What's God got to do to get his soul back? And now, just to wake the neighbors, this is Telehell. Let's begin today by discussing lightning. No, no, not that kind of lightning. That lightning keeps adding things to my to-do pile. No, I'm talking more about a good kind of lightning. One of those out-of-the-blue kind of things that yields unexpectedly positive results. You know, the kind you capture in a bottle. The kind that comes whenever a fad emerges that should seem questionable to the naked eye. And yet somehow, it becomes a surprise sensation. In terms of consumer uses, think of examples like the Pet Rock, or the Furby, or Virtual Pets. In terms of music, it could be a TikTok video that quickly becomes an inexplicable chart-topper. And in terms of television, it could either range from a show with minimal publicity getting to number one in the ratings, or a minor character who was only meant to be on a single episode making such an impression that he's suddenly put into the main cast. Just to name one example. But sometimes, that particular kind of lightning tends to miss its mark, and it winds up turning the wrong thing into the trendy thing. People always ask me, you know, how can you talk? I'm like... Hey, stuff it! (laughs) This is the tale of a trend that never should have been. One that, just because it was inexplicably popular in one forum, doesn't mean it's going to yield the same results elsewhere. And because of this, we wind up with a bad case of diaper rash. Intellihell. Those who are old enough to remember should know who Clutch Cargo is. It was a cheaply produced, non-animated cartoon that was one of the first TV programs to showcase what was known as Synchrovox technology, which was a way to superimpose human mouths over still pictures to make it seem as though a character is physically speaking. It was as unique a technology as it was also incredibly creepy to watch sometimes, especially if one of the still shots they used was incredibly awkward to look at in the first place. Thankfully for the passage of time, this technology wound up improving, and its creepy factor diminished a little, especially when it came to Robert Smigel going back to the well week after week to be the voice of many fake interviews on Late Night with Conan O'Brien. 
Now you look okay, except for your upper lip doesn't look too good. Why it is all swollen? I have to warn you, because of the swollenness, you may have trouble understanding some of what I say. By the turn of this current century, more advances in technology took place where the act of superimposing an adult mouth over a static image was pretty much old hat by then. So the next logical step would be to apply that same technology to something a little more three-dimensional. Which brings us to a phenomenon known as the dot-com boom. As soon as I learned to type Amazon.com, I could get my way to uh, about 2,500,000 books, so it was remarkably easy. Start your day with Lycos.com. The IT revolution will create over 1 million new jobs in the next year. The companies that know the internet best use Oracle for e-business. Same groceries, no store. Web van. You may never go to the grocery store again. This period, from the late 1990s to the early 2000s, was probably one of the last times in history where people could make money by practically doing nothing. Not unlike the gold rush of the 1840s, the roaring 20s of the 1920s, or Reaganomics in the 1980s, depending on what close-knit circles you were in. The dot-com boom was notorious for giving practically everyone and everything in sight a website, because heaven forbid, people were starting to become too lazy to shop at brick-and-mortar stores. One of these upstart companies that made it big was something called freeinternet.com, aka freeeye.com. Without getting too technical or boring, free internet was anything but charging users a subscription to use anonymous ISPs, which certainly seemed too good to be true. So much so, that the brain trust of the company were looking for a unique way to show the world what they had to offer. Their solution? A series of advertisements commissioned by the firm of Silton and Keene, featuring an infant as their spokesperson, doing so with the knowledge that, even back then, people would go apeshit over things that are cute, whether it be babies, puppies, kitties, the TV show Ed, and so forth. Knowing what we now know about the ability to place a human mouth over a person or thing that would otherwise not be able to speak, the world felt it was ready to have a baby named Bob unleashed to the masses. Hey everybody, how's it going? And welcome to The Bob Show on freeinternet.com. <laughs> Today, I have with me a very special guest, the greatest basketball player in the world, Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> Which I guess means that this episode sort of qualifies as an edition of... Commercials of the Damned! Except the rest of this story isn't really about the commercials. For reasons that can only be boiled down to basic stupidity, the notion of a baby speaking with a computerized adult's mouth somehow took off. Not enough for freeinternet.com to survive the dot-com bubble burst, but certainly enough for the average Hollywood hack to try and build up on that inexplicable success. Michael Saltzman happened to be that Hollywood hack. Okay, that may be a little unfair, because as it turns out, Saltzman is another one of those industry veterans who made his mark on things before and since 2002 that have turned out to be better than one unfortunate anomaly in his career. Especially writing for shows like Wings, Murphy Brown, and even modern hits like Sneaky Pete and Amazon's The Boys. But we wouldn't be doing our job if we didn't stick a pitchfork in what he thought was a good idea taking the success of the Baby Bob commercials and expanding it to a full half hour. 
Unfortunately, this was not only a bad idea in the making, but it wasn't exactly an original one either. Hi, folks. My name is Christopher Hapgood Day Jr. But all my friends call me Happy. <laughs> the concept of a talking baby comedy, a sentence that I never thought I'd hear myself say, could be traced back as far as 1960 with NBC's short-lived sitcom, Happy, which only lasted a full season because there were only three TV channels and very little else to watch until the following fall's TV season. The show was basically family does stuff, baby gives commentary, lather, rinse, repeat. After it was canceled, nobody in Hollywood ever wanted to do anything involving talking babies ever again. Except they did. Put me back in! Put me back in! So you're the one that's been kicking me. The one that ate all that spicy food. Speaking of inexplicable success, the Look Who's Talking movies of the early 90s managed to do two impossible things. Resurrect the notion that babies with interior monologues are funny, and revive John Travolta's career for just long enough so that Quentin Tarantino could finish the job years later. But as far as the movie went, it was enough of a smash to try and attempt to bring the talking baby comedy format back to television, this time in a thinly veiled ripoff of the movie called Baby Talk. Unfortunately, we don't have the time or the patience to talk about the lack of comedy and the behind-the-scenes drama on that clusterfuck, nor can we find any full-length episodes of it anywhere. But trust me when I say it deserves every bit of bad reputation it earned. But that, too, only lasted roughly a year and a half before it got its diapers cleaned for good. And then after that, nobody, and I mean nobody, gave talking baby comedies a second thought ever again after that. I'm lying, of course, because I already know you clicked on this to hear the story of Baby Bob. So, with Michael Saltzman and his pedigree of hit shows under his belt, this granted him the ability to stack the show with no fewer than ten writers and talented performers who would look like they would rather be anywhere else than doing a show about a talking baby. Cases in point, the mother and father, played by Adam Arkin and Jolie Fisher. Arkin, who just wrapped up a run on the diet soda version of ER known as Chicago Hope, and Fisher, who, aside from being Carrie Fisher's stepsister, also wrapped up a run on Ellen DeGeneres' self-titled sitcom, among other things. They would be joined by two other veterans of Hollywood. First, Holland Taylor, who has won practically every award you could think of for her work, and someone who most likely got the job because she worked with Saltzman on a previous series, The Naked Truth. Just as inexplicable as the casting of everybody else, who else but Elliot Gould, who maintained a regular presence in TV and movies since the 1960s, to be cast as the grandpa while taking a break from appearing in various Steven Soderbergh movies. I'm guessing because certain favors were called, just about everybody involved here was tapped to play their respective parts whether they wanted to or not. Nevertheless, with this much artillery under the show's belt, you would think that they would be gearing up to get just as big a name to voice the title character of the baby. After all, the Look Who's Talking movies gave us babies voiced by Bruce Willis, Roseanne Barr, Damon Wayans, and even Mel Brooks. Baby Talk even managed to get Tony Danza in between takes at Who's the Boss. Who could possibly live up to those names? Turns out, nobody we've ever heard of before, but that doesn't mean he hasn't kept himself busy. 
A voice and character actor named Ken Hudson Campbell would take on the role of the baby. He wasn't a brand name actor like his co-stars, but he still had a durable career of being that guy who was in that thing. One of those actors that you know by sight, but not quite by name. Appearing in various one-off roles in various things like Seinfeld, Groundhog Day, Curb Your Enthusiasm, and perhaps his biggest role at that point in his career, being one of the many voices inside Herman's head. I'm Herman's lust. Without me, he'd miss out on all the good stuff. You know, fun, food, babes. Sometimes they agree. Usually they don't. So, veteran writer? Check. Top shelf cast? Double check. Network that would be willing to take a chance on an idea doomed to fail from the start? CBS presents this program in color. Really, CBS? A network that's known for its track record of comedy classics is going to take a chance on this? Well, I guess it makes sense. Were it not for the star power being put to waste here, the show would have wound up on Fox or the late networks, the WB or UPN. NBC already had Friends and Frasier on the air, and ABC was more into dramas, so... Yeah, okay, CBS makes sense. Too bad this show doesn't. And we'll see how much this baby wets the crib. After the break. Hey, everybody, look at Shaq O'Neal. <laughs> Thanks for coming on the show, big guy. Thanks for having me, little buddy. You got a lot of nicknames. Uh, why don't you tell us some of your favorites? I do have quite a few. Let's see, there's uh, Shaq Daddy. Shaq Daddy, right. Shaq Diesel. Shaq Diesel, yeah. Shaq Fu. Shaq Fu. Monster Shaq. Mm. One of my favorites, the Shaqster. Hey, yeah, that's a good one. But uh, a lot of people just call me Big Fella. Wow. And uh, my friends just call me Big. Oh. Like in, uh, like, hey, Big, how's it going? Or, uh, hey, Big, give me that donut. Or, uh, hey, Big, it's time for a poopy. <laughs> Sorry. Baby jokes are big for me, you know? Hey, I wish you the best, my friend. Thanks for stopping by. Anytime. Hey, and make sure you frequently visit our site to see more interviews on The Bob Show. Well, that's it for now. This is Bob for FreeInternet.com and Shaq. Have a wonderful day. Telehell is proud to partner up with Dave's Archives. Dave's Archives is the premier spot on YouTube where you can get your vintage TV fix, including old commercials and original shows covering classic TV and other TV-related pop culture. Here's just a small taste of what they have in store for you. This double crew has a plan, and they begin by digging into those two scoops in every Kellogg's pack. Two scoops, we'll keep them coming back to those two scoops of pump juicy raisins in Kellogg's Raisin Bran. Hooked up and in command, they're working now, but they're thinking how they love two scoops and lots of wholesome bran. Two scoops, they're turning back again for two scoops of pump juicy raisins in Kellogg's Raisin Bran. Two scoops. Want to check out the rest of it? Go to YouTube and type in Dave's Archives, or you can visit them on Facebook. Again, search Dave's Archives. And now, back to my punishment for the week. March 18th, 2002. One of those rare days when nothing of any historical nature or consequence wound up happening. Save for one thing. Also, I apologize in advance for how crispy the TV audio sounds here, but then again, this was the only copy that was available in Hell's Gift Shop, and it was already sitting next to the radiator. So, what was I gonna do? 
Was this really the best idea? I mean, eating with a baby is tough enough, but now we're entertaining? It's your father and my mother. I'd hardly call that entertaining. Oh, I don't know. Serve them alcohol? Introduce the topic of same-sex marriage? I'd watch that on pay-per-view. A reminder, one of many, I'm sure, that this was filmed in 2002, back when such topics were still somewhat taboo. But I digress. Walter, I need this. It has been such a huge adjustment for me, giving up my career to be with the baby full time. Don't get me wrong. I love being home with Bob. I wouldn't trade this time for anything. But you have no idea what it is like being cooped up all day with no one to talk to. Honey, it's our parents. The best you're going to do is talk at them. Oh, for God's sake. We haven't even reached the talking baby yet, and you've already got dialogue that's written by a food processor. As the rest of the character's backstory is dumped onto us, the actors continue to do the best that they can with what they're given, up to and including references to things that were well past their own sell-by date by the time this aired. I'm sitting at the office, making life hell for journalists, when who do I look up and see but former President Clinton? He gives me one of these, and he compliments my tie. Unbelievable! That tie? Yeah, he liked it so much that I offered to give it to him, but he, he turned me down. Sure, last time he complimented someone and they took off a piece of clothing, he got impeached. <laughs> Meanwhile, after a string of cliched, passive-aggressive jokes about someone's mother being more proud of her other children than the one that happens to be in the room with her, we finally get to the reason why we all came here in the first place. Between my mother and not sleeping and being cooped up here all day, I'm losing it. Losing it! No, you're not, Mom. You're just a little stressed out. That's all. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm really losing it, Bob. I thought that I heard you talk to me just then, but... <laughs> it's the cow. Mommy, don't be silly. Cows don't talk, they just move. And were this a sane universe, the show would have stopped right there. Because once you saw what was being advertised, there really wasn't any point in either moving on or trying to build on that one moment. Not unlike this particular Simpsons joke. Where's everybody going? The symphony she has just started. So, we already heard that dum-dum-dum-dum. The rest is just filler. Not that we're trying to compare baby friggin' Bob of all things to Beethoven, but the point remains. The moment when the baby opens his crudely animated mouth is the peak of the show. And anything after this point would be like falling downstairs. Unfortunately, because there's no such thing as a five-minute TV series, unless you're Jeffrey Katzenberg looking to blow two billion dollars, we're forced to press on as Fisher tells Arkin the good news. Hey, honey! <laughs> Bob's talking. Wow, that's great! See, that, that's really advanced for his age, isn't it? You have no idea! What was his first word? Was it dada? I think you better come home now. Well, honey, I got this me... <laughs> Act 2 begins with a continuation of a lengthy process that will take, by all accounts and purposes, exactly one joke and try to milk it drier than one does with a breast pump. Why? Because whoever wrote this for the show clearly had no other things to add to it other than, Hey, our baby talks like an adult! That's some hot shit! Can you say Dada? Yeah, quick question. Do you prefer Dada? Dad seems more natural to me. <laughs> He just talked. Oh, thank God you hear it too. And really, this is it. 
this is what the show's going to be for the remainder of the half hour. Nothing of substance, nothing resembling plot advancement. It's just another 20 minutes of people going, humana, humana, hum, over the fact that a newborn has an advanced vocabulary and very little else. And I know what you're thinking. This is just the pilot episode. There's no way they could keep running the same joke into the ground for multiple episodes. Oh, how naive the viewers were. And yet, we must persist. While Miss Fisher sees their eloquent infant as a marvel of sorts, Arkin feels slightly different about it. Did you call Dr. Bibby? Yes. And? And? And he said that in extraordinary cases, they would be able to say mama and dada indiscriminately. I asked if they could carry on adult conversations, and he referred me to another physician. Like some specialist who knows about these things? A shrink for me. He says I'm suffering from postpartum psychosis. We can't both be having it. There's got to be some explanation for this. Walter... Clearly, we are in a situation here where we would normally find Rod Serling talking to a camera in the corner of our living room. Consider, if you will, the cases of one Adam Arkin and Julie Fisher, two actors who have actually made worthwhile achievements in their careers, suddenly thrust onto a contrived sitcom, as well as this equally contrived homage to an actual TV classic, one that both actors wish they could get on, if only they had Jordan Peele's phone number. To the Twilight Zone. The facade continues, including the inevitable discussion on just how exactly this newborn gained such linguistic skills. Uh, when did you realize that you could talk? Yeah. To be honest, a couple weeks ago, all these things were going on in my head, and the next thing I knew, they were coming out of my mouth. And normally, this would be the part of the show where I would complain that that's it? due to such a lazy answer, but really, did anybody expect anything less when it came to this show? Hell, they probably thought some out-there excuse, like, say, the mom experienced the jolt of electricity while plugging in a can opener while pregnant, and that jolt made the baby smart, would prove to be too intelligent for this show's viewing audience. Then again, the show's target demographic was probably a coffee-stained book of carpet samples, and I don't want to insult the carpet. Of course, there's one other thing about this show that's missing. Something that will justify its existence being on TV in prime time in the 21st century, yet somehow slap all of the better TV shows of 2002 square in the face. Wow, you guys are really making me thirsty. Mom? <laughs> okay, we're switching to formula like tonight. Titty jokes. Because even on what was supposed to be a family sitcom, sex sells even if the subject of an Oedipus complex rears its head. Anyway, we continue our numb slog through used pampers by going through another inevitability this show has, trying to keep the kid a secret. Take every child actor horror story you've ever heard and multiply that by a million. We will be kicking ourselves, going, oh, if only he had turned out as well as Michael Jackson. We'll be grateful if he grows up to pose nude and knock off convenience stores. Do me a favor. Please don't mention the words child, Michael Jackson, and posing nude in any context ever again for the love of all that is evil. Anyway, to the show's credit, what little of it that's worth giving, this scene does give some valid points. It's like a miracle. He is a miracle. Our miracle. Nobody else's. 
Unless, of course, you you want to be on the front pages of the tabloids every week for the next year. Have Bob turned from a miracle into a freak? Well, yeah. If I were still alive and I had a kid that turned out to be unique in a way that would wind up on the front page of every tabloid rag you could think of, I'd be trying to protect the kid, too. Oof. Boy, this took a dark turn quickly. Uh, any uncomfortable humor to help us segue out of here? Hey, I wonder if I can get my head through this crib. Yep. <laughs> what? Uh-oh. Genius, huh? <laughs> Thanks for that. Act 3 starts with the mom on high alert trying to keep Bob's mouth shut. Remember what we discussed in the car, Bob. Right. No talk. Why? Why? Uh, because of, um, the, the law. There's a law? The, um, babies are not allowed to talk in supermarkets law of 1999. We voted against it, but it passed. Well, what happens if you break it? Uh, you go to jail. The foundation of any family relationship. Trickery. How long does that last? A law? What law? The babies are not allowed to talk in supermarkets law of 1999. Thanks for voting against it, by the way. Sure. What is he talking about? Oh, honey, um, about that, uh, there's no law. But you said there was a law. Arkin tries to set things straight. But as is the case in the world of contrived sitcoms, it just blows up in his face like a baby spitting up on a new shirt. I'm a freak! Yeah, truth was the way to go. No, no, you're not. You're Sure, you're different, but, but all the great people are different. Really? Oh, yeah, scientists, athletes, Superman. You, who wants to be regular like everybody else? You mean like how mom doesn't want to be a regular stay-at-home mom stuck home with me all day? Bob, why would you ever think anything as silly as that? Dad told me. You told him? It was a few days ago. I didn't know he could talk. Okay, bring it home. Let the kid know everything's going to be all right. Um, honey, you're only a baby once, and it goes by so fast. We just want you to have a normal, happy babyhood, even if you are special. <laughs> what, sweetie? What? Did we upset you? No, it's not that. You guys have been swell. It's just my diaper's been wet since the checkout line. You know, I couldn't say anything back there, and then I sort of forgot about it, and now I just remembered again. Don't cry. Which brings us to one last piece of exposition to close things out. The fact that the parents aren't actually the only ones who know about Bob's not-so-hidden talents. So, did you tell him yet? Yeah. Well, how did it go? They flipped up. Oh, I knew it. Parents, man. Try coming home with the pierced belly button. You can't let my folks know you know, though, okay? They're real big on that. Got it. So, how are things with that boyfriend of yours? You got an hour. As long as you're, you know, willing to be flexible with that bedtime. Deal. Can I put you on my lap? Are you kidding? I'd cry if you didn't. Okay, so my question is... Should I call him or should I wait for him to call me? I don't think I'm asking you because you're a guy and you should know. Sure. I mean, even though you're a baby. I suppose they did this because there's a fine line between a bad show and a boring show. A boring show would limit things so that the baby could only speak to his parents and nobody else. A bad show would be allowing for other people to know the secret and then having the inevitable shenanigans take place for better or worse because of it. Worse, in this case, being a total of 19 episodes that were made 
for this stupid, stupid show. A show so stupid that this is the third time TV thought the idea of a talking baby being funny would work in prime time. Hopefully that old saying about third time's the charm sticks to the wall like a diaper overflowing with doo-doo. So, where does Baby Bob's stroller carelessly careen in telehell? Babies may eventually go through the terrible twos, but our nine circles are far more punishing. Limbo, lust, gluttony, greed, wrath, heresy, violence, fraud, treachery! This show is one of those cases of trying to strike while the iron was hot, only for the blacksmith to miss the anvil entirely and hit his hand by mistake. The iron, of course, being the bewildering success of the original TV commercials that started this mess to begin with. And since a major TV network was looking to share on that capitalization, it's pretty easy to blame CBS and the original advertising agency to want to cash in on a tread that should not have been. Say hi, gluttony. Also, dumping a boatload of cash to actors who probably didn't need the money at the time, but probably also wanted to add a guest house to their existing home. An easy mark for greed. As the series progressed, there would of course be an over-reliance on one particular joke being pounded into the ground, that of Bob's joy over being fed. Because... Teddy jokes! Just be glad the squirt's name is an Oedipus, because otherwise, thinly-veiled lust would be in play. Oh, and before I forget, uh, remember when I said that 19 episodes of this show were made? Well, it turns out only 14 of those shows aired leading up to the show's cancellation in 2003, meaning the five unaired episodes helped qualify this televised version of Colic, A Cradle in Limbo. 19 shows were produced, 20 too many, because the show went on to prove that the idea of a talking baby couldn't work three times in TV. And you know what they say about three strikes. Baby Bob earns four out of nine circles of telehell. Still another one of those ideas that really should have been spat up in executives' faces like so much baby formula and strained carrots. But the appetite for Baby Bob and talking babies in general didn't completely go away. It just stuck to its more confining grounds of commercials. The Baby Bob character went on to become a spokesthing for the Quiznos sandwich chain a few years later, while a gaggle of talking babies would not only inhabit various E-Trade commercials, but one would also invoke the ire of certain Hollywood has-beens. And that milkaholic Lindsay wasn't over? Lindsay? Milka what? But that's a story that we'll say for if and when we ever revive... Commercials of the Damned! Thankfully, the cabal of showbiz eventually learned its lesson. If you ever want to do a show with a smart-mouthed youth, just hire a child star instead. Give the computer animators and voiceover guys a day off, and let the infant worry about its teething. Speaking of which, that reminds me. It's my week to take care of one of the boss's demon spawn. Okay, it's six minutes past the hour. That means it's time for your feeding. Boss says to feed you some strained brimstone and ease. Now here comes the exploding airplane. There you go. Oh, you need to be burped already? Okay. Alright, come on. Add a hell spawn. <laughs> Seeing that one coming. 
Next time on Telehell, one of those classic TV movies that people love to hate, particularly because of how creepy it is in all the wrong ways. After an accidental murder, Ronald, a lonely and unpopular boy, takes refuge in a fantasy world. Today I begin joining Princess Fancetta. She's the ruler of Atlanta. An existence that becomes inescapable and deadly. Bad Ronald. Until then... If it's not in Telehell, it's not worth a damn. Telehell was written, produced, edited, and narrated by me, Justin Hart. All clips used in this program are protected under the Fair Use Doctrine of the U.S. Copyright Act of 1976. And all clips used come courtesy of their respective companies and owners. Some of the music used in this program comes courtesy of YouTube and their audio library service. Telehell is a production of Horton Road and is distributed by Libsyn. Not unlike certain viruses, Telehell is everywhere now. In addition to Stitcher, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts, we can also be heard on Google Podcasts and the iHeartRadio app. Of course, we can also be heard in a number of other places just by Googling Telehell. And don't forget to like, comment, rate, subscribe, and follow our social feeds. Twitter and Facebook, both at Telehell Podcast. 